Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and you talk about a palate cleanser. That pretty much sums up what happened to Texas in a 58-0 win over Rice. I thought maybe Rice had a chance to keep this competitive for just maybe a little bit. (laughs) Boy, that dream was gone in a hurry, and we'll talk about that and get you ready for the Longhorns and Texas Tech coming up in the Big 12 opener on Saturday. Before I bring in the rest of the team, however you're listening to this podcast, wherever you're listening, We just thank you so much for being a part of this presentation of Longhorn Blitz. You can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7, click that follow button, and don't forget to leave us a five-star review. The numbers have never been better, so thank you so much for those of you who continue to support the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Now let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. I liked your little palate cleanser. I'd say this is also sort of a mouthwash just to get that bad taste out of you. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's 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 good good for the football soul. Get that. Just get it out of the way. Do what you need to do. Take care of business and move on. Uh, a man who took care of a lot of business during his time on the Forty Acres uh, is the third member of our team. Our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. Fantastic as always. And I believe the term, gentlemen, is slump buster. Oh, there you go. I was going to exactly go with that. exactly what Rice was. It was a slump buster. I, I can't take all the good terms. i got to leave you guys with a little bit yeah, to I believe to that is the, uh, maybe on the baseball term out there <laughs> is the slump buster. That's yeah. exactly what they represented. Guys, this game was over. In a hurry. Uh, 58-0. It was 44-0 at halftime. Uh, Texas never gave Rice any hope. And from that standpoint, look, I said this, fellas, regardless of what you think about the opponent, and Rice, I don't know if they're just that bad or it was that bad of a night or a combination of both and it just got away from them quick. Whatever the case is, the confidence Texas needed to gain coming off of the Arkansas loss, going into Big 12 play, that confidence had to come from somewhere. And it's just unfortunate that Rice was the opponent <laughs> that happened to be rolling into DKR on Saturday. Yeah, I think Texas – listen, Rice – basically, it's not really your fault, Rice. Arkansas <laughs> bullied Texas. They punked Texas. They debo Texas, pushed them around on the line of scrimmage. And Texas wanted to do that to someone else, and Rice was the next opponent, and it just fit perfectly. And essentially, Texas did to Rice what Arkansas did to Texas. Pretty much. Um, and it was probably a little, you know, I mean, it was more dominant because they got the goose egg. So shout out to the defense. Doesn't matter. Trust me, as a former, you know, mm-hmm. defender myself, doesn't matter who you get the goose egg against. Yeah, shutting somebody out is really hard to do in football. It's real hard to do. So that's a that's a great bounce back, man. Great rebound. And you're right. It's all about the confidence because they're going to need it starting Big 12 play, mm-hmm. which we'll get into later. Yeah. Just displace their rage. Uh, essentially, yeah, they. <laughs> that's what you saw too. I mean, you saw it, 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 right, and it was it was like the old those Snoop Dogg song, right? It ain't no ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. Everybody got in on it. I mean, defensively, I mean, mm-hmm. hell, man, it was third stringers out there balling. 
That's what you're supposed to do versus Rice. That's what I remember versus Rice. I remember exactly. being out at halftime versus Rice and, you know, getting excited about the young bucks getting in there and balling out of control that's on Rice. That's what we've been wanting. That's what you want, and that's what happened. The running back room, um, you know, we can, hell, you probably can start there. I mean, it was a dominant performance yeah. by that running back room, and that's one thing that every Longhorn fan knew was going to be a strength of the team going in and Fortunately for Longhorn fans, that has held true. As a matter of fact, I think we all may have underestimated uh, how good this running back room is because Jonathan Brooks looks like he's going to be a hell yeah. of a player. And, you know, Keelan Robinson, mm-hmm. as you've been pointing out, Jeff, I mean, he, you said coming in, you said, y'all got to, he's, you've been hearing things. You were hearing from sources behind the scenes that. Oh, and Brooks, too. Brooks was another one of those guys. Yeah, Brooks the, one of those guys. Like, yeah, uh, man, this kid looks good. Yeah, uh, but you heard from sources like, you know, that at Bama were upset that he was gone because mm-hmm. they thought he could be a difference maker, and he certainly looked like it. So that running back room is elite. And I've been talking for, you know, I've been yelling and screaming for three years now that they need to run more two back sets. Mm-hmm. Sark understands it. He's working it in. I, I still think he's saving some stuff, but. Um, I like what I saw from that group. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do versus Rice. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. Dominate. That's what they did. Yeah, cross the board. And all three phases. Exactly, yeah. and that's all you wanted, and you can move on from it and get focused for Big 12 play. Let's start with the offense and a lot of the things that we wanted to see. You know, Rod, I'm, I'm in the process. So one thing i got to mention to the Hornets 24-7 family, my content before and after the game has been slow. I've been having a computer issue. I was on the phone with Apple Monday for about three hours, I think I finally got it fixed, so the content will start flowing again. Uh, But one of the articles that I've already formulated, I just need to write it, is my five plays that made a difference in the game. And one of the plays I mentioned was the first play from scrimmage. Mm -hmm. It's just a jet motion flip to Xavier Worthy. Because what did we talk about all week last week? Man, if you're going to utilize pre-snap motion and you're going to utilize shifts, they've got to matter. Otherwise, it's just window dressing. You're not doing anything that's giving the defense anything to compensate for. And you send Xavier Worthy, Xavier Worthy in a jet motion. You're just flipping the ball. It's only a four-yard gain, but go back and look later in the drive on the B. John Robinson touchdown run. Now you've got action at the mesh point where you fake the jet sweep and hand it off, and now it's an easier path for your running back. Not that you probably wouldn't have dominated in the red zone or close to the goal line against Rice anyway, but that's the kind of stuff – Rod, we talk about scheming around the offensive line, helping the offensive line. For Sark, making your motions and shifts matter is one way to help out an offensive line that needs every bit of help it can get. There were three things I, I literally talked about all week long last week. Brought it up on Long One Blitz last week, and I brought it up on my show several times. I brought it up when we sat down at San Marcos at that um, Craft House. At Craft House. Brought it up there, too. First one was shifts and motions, right? They got to be more deliberate. They got to be more premeditated. And a great way to point out first play makes it count. I like there's also another play where it's 12 personnel. He motions Calvante Dixon in an orb motion around the back of the formation, and he becomes a lead blocker mm-hmm. for Xavier Worthy on another pitch play where yep. as soon as they snap it, he goes under and he becomes a lead a blocker. Play. So also another, yeah, wait, you know what I mean? When you, you can't just shift in motion to guy. It's great. Yes, it is a cheat code, but unless it actually has a purpose, to me, you're, you know, you're, you're basically under, you're, dis, you're discounting and underestimating the impact of pre-step motions and shifts. And I think Sark did that, of course, at Alabama. He was brilliant at it uh, here at Texas. We didn't see it as much in the first two games. There were a couple of times where he threw to uh, the quarterback, actually did throw to the the motion man. Remember the Rojo play where he gets a first down in the red zone? Mm-hmm. I believe it's against Louisiana. Yeah, down on the down the tackle zone. and then he runs. He has that or motion, comes around the formation, and then ends up open. They throw it to him. Jordan Whittington had Whit. one of those, I think, too. I mean, so they've done it a couple of times, but in this yeah. game, it seemed like to me, like it was it was more weaponized, right? It was specifically to utilize a guy like Xavier Worthy. And they did it multiple times. He also did the orbit, what they call the orbit return motion, where the guy comes back in the backfield. Remember Devontae Smith in the, in the national title game, even though that's been out since like 2007 in the NFL. <laughs> but I digress. Everybody thinks Sark made it up. He did not make it up. But brilliant that he actually copied. That's what you got to do. I right, rip off and duplicate. And he used that orbit return motion a couple of times, and they hit Xavier Worthy on that one time as well. And it almost ends up working like a swing screen, um, almost like a, a, you know, a bubble screen, if you will, for, for a wide receiver. So he wanted to get Xavier Worthy involved, and he used motions and shifts to really weaponize him and maximize his talents. That was really good. Also, something I want to see, said Jordan Whittington needs to be in the backfield running routes. 
He did it. He did it mm-hmm. once. Only once. Um, and it ended up being a play where Casey scrambled, so it didn't really come, you know, become anything. But at least Sark is at least he's listening to Longhorn Blitz or great minds think alike, and he's thinking, all right, I got to find ways to weaponize my best players. Jordan Wington, everybody knows he's in the slot 75 to 80 percent of the time. Let me find a way to move him around, right? Um, and what did I talk about? Also, the third thing I said. You got to have more position fluidity. Talked about it at Bama. Devontae Smith always bragged that that was the biggest difference between Loxley's offense and, and Sark's offense was that they learned every position offensively and that you can move all those different pieces around. All those different pieces on the chessboard were interchangeable, much like Joe Brady believed. And he didn't do that much at Texas. In this game, you saw Xavier Worthy in the slot a whole lot more. Matter of fact, the longest re- uh, reception for Xavier Worthy, he's in the slot. Mm-hmm. They motioned him from three by one. He was a number three on the wide side. They motioned him to two by two. Two, he ends up with a matchup they like, favorable matchup, gets the slant, breaks a tackle, boom. I mean, so I asked for three things all week long last week, and Sark gave it to me. So Sark's on my good side. And if you he's on my good side. The three things I asked for, whether he's listening or great minds just think alike, he gave me the three things I wanted to see. I'm cool with that. Well, and the multitude of options that come whenever you have those interchangeable pieces, because, of course, you like it that the opposition at least has to mentally be consumed trying to see who's where, but then you get to engineer that mismatch, and then when you do that multiplying factor, you have just an endless combination compared to other teams. Like, if you just talk about all five guys being interchangeable, it's 120 different options when you do the multiplication if they all could line up in one spot or the other. And very few teams have have any capabilities just to have four of those guys do that but when you're talking about the pre-snap motion a big part of that and what I liked was that these weren't just like signify like identifier motion plays because it seems like a lot of the time there are two different ways to use the motion you can use motion within the play and then you use the motion also just to identify what the defense is in to simplify the process for your quarterback and we saw more of just the identifier type motion opening games it could be vanilla but this game you did see more where they actually involved with the play which yeah. may give you more options yeah like I said I, I just think back to you know, the Brian Harson offense, because Brian Harson was a guy that loved pre-snap motion, loved shifts. And there was a point, I think in 2012, yeah, I was in 2012, if you go back and watch that Oklahoma game where it was 63-21, but it felt even worse than that. Mm-hmm. The pre-snap motion and shifts meant nothing. It wasn't fooling Oklahoma. It was just window dressing. Like, you weren't, mm-hmm. yeah, it didn't mean anything. You weren't doing anything. And then after that, we started to see a little bit of a different offense. Uh, so sometimes, I mean, look, there's no offensive coordinator that's ever called plays in the history of this game at the two highest levels has everybody's had one of those games yep. where it just man nothing works and you kind of get hit in the mouth and man you spend the three next three quarters staggered trying to gather yourself and then by the time you do you realize oh crap we're we're down 40 to 14 and this one's over by the time I got my bearings. So everybody has one of those games. Sark just unfortunately had one in Fayetteville with a lot of people watching and in his first year and we talked about it every Texas head coach since Fred Akers has in their first year has had one of these just right as you call them coyote ugly non-conference losses so everybody had to get back on the horse for this Rice game and Sark's game plan and the game he called was by far the best of the three games so far agreed and that leads into the Casey Thompson discussion which you know we said Casey Thompson needed to be the starting quarterback for this team because of his ability to extend plays. Rod, I, I think the more I watch this offense, and I, I went back and, and, and did my rewatch on Sunday, I think it's just that calming presence that Casey Thompson has, the the poise that he has. That's what this offense needs right now because they really didn't need his playmaking ability in this game. He just executed the game plan again. Great plan by the offensive staff. Great called game by Sark, the best of the three so far. But on the handful of occasions when Casey Thompson did need to step up and make a play, didn't need to step up and make a throw, uh, he only had two scrambles, so it's not like he was running for his life all night, yeah. even though we'll talk about the offensive line the here in a second. The first two drives were a little yeah. tricky. We'll talk about that here in a second, but, I mean, the third and 17 throw where Christian Jones was called for a hold, they're backed up to the mm-hmm. seven. You know, he hits Calvante Dixon on a dig, actually yeah. got good protection. Just had, he had to step up and make a throw, and he did. Play. So there weren't that many times you needed Casey Thompson to make a play, but when you needed him to, he did. I agree with that. Yeah, and against Rice, I didn't want him to have to, you know, make a lot of plays, improvise, 
scramble a ton against Rice, there should be more on-schedule plays than mm-hmm. off-schedule plays. That was the case because the running game it's just kept good. them, you know, not only ahead of the chains, I mean, they just dominated the entire mm-hmm. game with the line of scrimmage. So, um, yeah, you didn't need Casey Thompson to uh, be an agent of chaos, right? You didn't need him to be that guy who's really comfortable in the crisis. But I agree, there is a presence about him, right? He And I think, you know, you, I'm not saying he was – in a hostile environment, anything. I understand Hudson Carr was on the road versus Arkansas. Texas hadn't seen an environment that hostile in a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not apples and oranges at all. But I think because he's a veteran there and he's been around the team longer, his style of leadership, Quan Cosby brought this up and I thought it was a great point, his style of leadership fits the team because this team is used to Sam Ellinger's style of leadership. And whether Casey is just him and Sam had the same kind of style of leadership or he crafted his leadership after Sam because Mm -hmm. he was sitting behind him so long, either way, the team responds to that style of leadership because it's what they're accustomed to. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the silent yet, you know, steady style of leadership or, you know, the quiet and strong style of leadership that Hudson Carr may have. Unfortunately, a team just doesn't respond to it like they respond to Casey's style of leadership. Yeah. And they needed that leadership on the road in Arkansas, at Arkansas because they needed someone vocal. They needed somebody to really, you know, kind of unite the group, even though on the road you should be a me against the world mentality. So, And even uh, Casey said, you know, he likes going on the road. He said he likes being seen as the evil empire. Right. He wants the, uh, you know, the Star Wars Evil Empire music to be playing when mm-hmm. he walks out there. You need that type of mentality when you go on the road. We'll see if that, you know, actually is, you know, the truth when they face that test uh, against TCU, TCU on the road. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a big one coming up in a couple of weeks. And we'll get to the Texas Tech game here in a little bit. But Rod, to your point about the run game. Uh, I've got a nice staff for you. So using the uh, the old Mac Brown adage of what constitutes an explosive play, mm-hmm. pass play of 15 or more yards, rushing play of 12 or more yards, how about nine explosive runs for Texas in this game Crazy. that generated 310 yards? <laughs> wow. You rush for 427, so a lot of your yards yeah. were generated just off of explosive plays. That's Pretty unbelievable. And I, it makes sense when you start thinking about the big runs that Bijan had a big run. I mean, everybody had one, mm-hmm. right? Rojo and the Wildcat. Bijan had his big run. And then, of course, oh, Kevin Robinson uh, had 73% of your rushing yards came off of nine explosive plays. Yeah. yeah she had. <laughs> what the average over 11 yards, 11 yards of carry, something like that? 10, what they have? team, it was 11.4. 11. 10.9, yeah. 10.9. But yeah, because it yeah. was yes. one okay. sack. The sack adjusted, I'm showing, is 10, 4, 10.4. Okay. There you go. Oh, there because there were no sacks. Rice didn't have any sacks. Yeah, Almost Kay, got Casey. Yeah. He got yeah. hit as he threw. That right. opening drive there was were, the only it's time one of, it was It's, it's kind of like it's, we some of the stuff we looked at, like, Rod, like Matt and I were talking about before you got here. Um because I hadn't checked. Because so Pro Football Focus, they do their numbers on Sunday, but then they'll readjust them. They and then do. They come yeah. out with like fresh numbers on Monday. They do. And missed tackles was a stat that I hadn't checked. And I asked Matt, I was like, "Hey, can you check missed tackles?" And they added one. It was six, and so seven is their final mm-hmm. tally for missed tackles. And Matt said, "Well, let me tally special teams tackles." I was like, "You don't need to." He said, "Why?" I was like, "None of Dicker's kickoffs got returned, and they never punted." So there were no special teams tackles. It was like the first wow. time you didn't have to worry about special teams. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, I, didn't, so, I didn't realize that either, yeah. actually, now in retrospect. Before we talk about the offensive line, I just think, back to your initial point, Rod, I've said it all offseason. Look, this offense is going to be built around the running back position. I think you're that deep, you're that good, and those guys are versatile enough. You can do a lot of different things with them. And we, we've seen now what the Wildcat looks like with Roshan Johnson. Still waiting on Sark to really weaponize Keelan Robinson, and maybe now that is coming. But – Again, it, that is by far that's the one position on offense right now that if you're a Texas fan, you should have zero question marks about w- what this team has a running back. Yeah, no, that's your strength, and it it's a blessing actually that they're all so different because that'll allow you to be multiple in the ways that you want to utilize them. So you can go empty out of twenty personnel, which they have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go four wide, put those guys in a slot like a Bijan or a Keelan Robinson, and they can still make plays for you. You can use them in a screen game. I mean, I, I love that running back room. I do. I think it's I think it's the I think the way he creatively uh, utilizes that group is going to be the key to the season. 
because the wide receivers, even as we have seen, it looks like that group is going to be limited from a overall, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. a positional perspective. Uh, Xavier Worthy, we'll talk about him, but I mean, he's ahead of the game. And Jordan Whittington is is great too. I love Jay Witt, but Jay Witt, I believe, only had one reception. They didn't 1%. need him yeah. to do a lot in this game, mm-hmm. but I think they're going to be trying to move both of those guys around and scheme them open a lot. I don't know if that room is going to be a, a room where you can count on. Oh, this is a strength every matchup we go into. Yeah, Why, running back will be that. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's a group, a, a team that'll have a better running back or even the defenders to match up with their running back. Right, to be told. exactly. And you have that depth, and you look at four deep here. Just the numbers from this past game: you had five missed tackles for forced for Roshan, six missed tackles forced by Brooks, five missed tackles forced yeah. by Bijan, and then three for Gabe Watson. But also, if you look at those fifteen. Plus yard runs, two for Roshan, two for Brooks, two for Bijan, and one for Keelan. And then yards after contact, 245 yards after contact by the team. And Roshan, 104 of his 112 yards came after contact. Jonathan Brooks, 59 of his 63. So you like what the running backs are doing now. They are being contacted still by Rice. Yeah. Really close to a line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. which is quite telling because if they don't make that, you know, miss tackle forced or make that guy miss in open space, then you're maybe in a different situation. But when you just look at that type of depth and that ability, it gets just that being not being one dimensional so big because in certain matchups, mm-hmm. you're going to have to be able to preserve a lead, run with a lead, keep success going, move the chains and be able to end a game or just run through somebody and instill your will upon them. And that's something that at times Texas hasn't been able to do. And especially if, say, you have some problematic issues at times pass blocking, it's when you are going up against a good pass rush, you can negate that type of stuff by not even giving them the opportunity. But what you just said, Matt, that's why Sark is here. Yes. That's why Sark is here because we saw in a lot of games late, even games where they had leads, Tom Herman did a bad job of being – if you just keep your foot on the gas, mm-hmm. no pun intended here, talking about Sark, <laughs> if you just keep your foot on the gas, man, you'll win that game by two or three touchdowns instead of it being a game where you need to recover an onside kick to preserve a win. Yep. You know, So that's that's why Sark is here, to make sure that type of stuff doesn't happen and this program takes that next step. Um, but looking at the running back situation, Sark said he challenged those guys to strain to finish runs. <laughs> And Matt, to your point, guys, you know the two forty-five after contact. Now, granted, most of that's going to be well, the Roshan Johnson seventy-two yard touchdown run. But I, I went back and looked at stat broadcast, the play-by-play, and charted it. Fourteen of their forty-one rushing attempts went for two or fewer yards. So you still got about right a third of your rushing attempts, even in this game. Where you're getting two or fewer yards off schedule with your backs. Yeah, I didn't um, realize that actually. Yeah, Man, that's astounding. So well, and I think that that bleeds wow. into the offensive line conversation yeah, because I, the I think can match that. I think well, yeah, your running backs, as, as I've heard coaches say over the years, at some point that running back's got to go be an athlete. Like the play's not going to be blocked perfect every time. You yourself, as a running back, are going to have to account for the unblocked defender, whether that's lowering a shoulder and getting what you can, making a guy miss in a hole, just yeah. outrunning a guy, whatever. At some point. point, running backs got to go be an athlete and go Agreed. make a play. And Roshan did that on the seventy-two yard touchdown. Bijan does it on. Fifty percent of his runs. Yeah, hell, probably more than. <laughs> and then the key, like the Keelan Robinson touchdown run, that was one of the best blocked plays of the night. Nobody touched him. Yeah, it was a sixty-five yard touchdown run where nobody got a hand on him. And he hit man that sliver of daylight. Like there's three defenders. Quick. There's three defenders within about a five yard radius of him, <laughs> and none of them touched him. They couldn't close on him. And that that was a it was a great blocking, but there was also when he hit that gear. They just they underestimated the angle and they were they hadn't seen him open up like that. I don't think we've seen him open up like that either. Um, he's got a burst. That is that's he's like, got a burst. That's like Jamal Charles, Ramont Taylor Ooh. stuff mm-hmm. right there. And I don't say that lightly. No, I mean, that's a that young man can go. It's been that long since I've seen a guy make oh. a play like that. Yeah, where you're just splitting defensive backs in tight quarters. Yeah, and, no, he's got gears. I yeah, that's I, they that four. They say he ran a four three coming out. Of high school, I don't know what the hell he was running on that play, but it was fast. <laughs> no, it's fast enough. That's, yeah, that's all I know. Yeah, uh, but the other, let's talk about the offensive line real quick because, excuse me, um, I think Rod they found a concept. I don't want to say that they can lean on that they can hang their hat on, but I think they found a concept that they do reasonably well. This is a competent. I think that's probably the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. This is a competent 
outside zone running team behind the right side of the line. Because I think you've got we know Jake Majors in, you know, out your wide zone, your stretch concepts is a pretty good center in terms of being able to scoop and reach and, and climb to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh Junior Angula is your best run blocker and Derek Kerstetter just jack of all trades. You, he, Derek Derek Kerstetter at this point in his career is just solid. You kinda know what you're gonna get from him game in and game out. And run so running to the right side helps, but I also think so that makes up a a, a pretty decent front side of a wide zone play going to the right. Yeah. But on the back side, instead of the lack of just being able to roll guys off the ball that can be a liability at times with Denzel Okafor and Christian Jones, now you're asking them on the back side of a wide zone play going to the right, now you're asking them to use their athleticism to get across a guy's face or get to the second level. Mm-hmm. And that's stuff that they can actually do. Yeah. And we saw Denzel Okafor a lot of times end up on the front side where he's just pushing a guy across the hole or pushing a guy towards the front side of the play. That that offensive line, when they run wide zone to the right, they look like a competent offensive line. There aren't that many concepts where you can say that, but that's that's one of them. So at least, at least Rod, they found something that Kyle Flood can go look at the tape and say, okay, I feel like we can maybe build off of this or this it, is something that maybe we can expand on. Yeah, it, that's been the case all year long too. The outside zone has been there most successful running play, and I agree with you, it definitely is to the right side considering the liabilities that are on the left. Also something that I'll add, though, in this Rice game, and yes, I understand it's Rice, so we uh, that we got that little caveat there with the discussion. Preface everything with that. Right? Uh, but the tight ends played really well. Their best game um, of the year by far. I heard you talking about it on Light the Tower, and I agree. I think it, it they really – well, say Sark actually, he wanted to highlight the tight ends too. He went out of his way to highlight them. They actually ended up, you know, proving him uh, right, uh, proving him to be a, a smart offensive mind because they showed up and they had a great game blocking and receiving downfield. Yeah. Came out in 12 personnel, as a matter of fact, to start that game. I, I would venture to say they probably went in 12 personnel most of the game. You played five tight ends in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, we played five different tight ends. That's a, I don't know, last time we played five tight ends <laughs> legitimately in a game. Because oh, you're, you were you still in 12 many. personnel in the second half, Dude, and you Jatavian had Juan Sanders. Davis and Jatavian Sanders on the field at the same time, or Davis and Gunnar Helm, whoever it was. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It so, had to be like 04 when you maybe had Scaife overlapping with Thomas and Neil Tweedy. Like the, had to be. You know. And you know what? You could be close to being 04, Texas. Yeah. That's you, about you how you're going to play. You receiver there, but you got a deep <laughs> running back group. You got a quarterback now that can run. Not saying he ain't VY, but he can run a little bit. A decent backup. Right? Um, and you got tight ends that are, we, we all agree, that they're mo- you got a couple of multifaceted tight ends. I'm not saying any of them is well-rounded in a five-tool tight end. But you can, you know, as you say, you can moneyball the approach, Jeff, like you always say, with different skill sets of different guys. And I think they're, they're starting to do a good job of that. So I'll add to your point about the outside zone that now the tight ends are blocking really well. Yeah. So now you can even scheme it up and dress it up a whole lot differently and also win the numbers advantage. And especially if those guys can provide you with, you know, a threat in the passing game too as a counter off of that to build layers on top of that outside zone running game. I mean, he'll go study Sean McVay. I mean, that's basically his yeah. uh, scheme and what he runs. And you can build counters off of that. And with Casey, a quarterback, oh, you can do it with Hudson Card too. But, you know, you can get your boot waggle game going too with that. I'm a big proponent of when you got deficiencies on the offensive line, man, use. You Move know, the line. Be, well, yeah, <laughs> be, be versatile in your run game, yeah. right? Like, and give them like pin pull stuff where you can create angles and levers. Mm-hmm. Rod, I, I, so it's twofold here. I, I don't know that this line is competent enough yet to be able to handle all that stuff because the pin pull stuff hasn't really, yeah, hasn't really worked the way that I thought it would. Um, maybe the way Kyle Flood and Sark thought it would. But I think prob- one adjustment they can make, and, and I, I'll say this about the tight end group, like a healthy Jared Wiley makes a really big difference. Yeah, it does. With how that group functions. Agreed. So you take that into consideration. If I'm Sark, I would go look at Mike Gundy's run game. Hmm. Because Oklahoma State doesn't pull their guards hardly at all. And maybe that's changed in recent years. But I know for a long time they didn't pull their guards. If they were running some kind of counteraction or using or like something where it was requiring a guy to kick out or lead, they're using the cowboy, cowboy back. back. Yeah, and I think that's pretty much what Sark, especially as much twelve personnel mm-hmm. as, as Sark wants to run. I think that's kind of where you got to go. Is instead of counting on that backside guard being a lead guy or a kick out guy, 
I think Cade Brewer, Jared Wiley, or even you know Gunnar Helm, if he's ready, becomes that guy. It's not bad. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's a it nice just, option. If you're deficient like that in that area, just play. Sometimes, and I hate mucking it up and playing in the phone booth, but there are times where if you scheme it up right, playing with heavier personnel, we see Iowa. We've seen Iowa State do it the last few years. Playing with heavier personnel. Oh, Tom Herman can, used to do. Yeah, playing with heavier personnel can you can still have enough space within your offense playing with heavier personnel if you scheme it up right. Basically, do it, turn turn Cade Brew and Andrew Beck as much as you can. I don't. Yeah, I don't really like you don't that. You have a power quarterback ready game, but right. you're talking about as as an asset in the in the run game. Yeah, like that that H back. Yeah, or at least turn him into an H back. Yeah. And uh, just pull up the numbers by direction for Texas so far. But the outside zone both ways, basically, you could tell is good. But right is definitely where you want to go. Off right tackle so far this season, it's 22 rushes for 164 yards. Right guard is nine rushes for 166. And then you have off the left end is going to be 16 for 132. But everywhere else, if you're going yards per attempt, the ones I just named, right end is 7.5. Right guard is 18.4. Left end is 8.4. And the rest, you have 2.52, uh, 3.32, and then a 5 and a 4. So you have no so, inside running game, really. No, exactly. Not really. Yeah. And it makes sense with a guy like Bijan, too, like just for the upside that you get when those guys break tackles. Mm-hmm. You already want them on the edge, you That's know, true. so they can go. No, I agree. Uh, I did think the best thing about the offensive line in this game was you got some young guys got some quality snaps like Hayden Connor and Andre Carrick played basically the entire second half. You look good except, too, with the exception of that first drive. Yeah, no, they look good. Uh, it's funny, like I wanted to articulate this on the podcast because I had people ask me, like, "Hey, how would you grade Carrick and Connor?" Well, it's not for me to grade those guys one way or the other, but I felt like there's there's kind of th- to me, Rod, there's three levels. Uh, and this applies to line play, but it can apply to any position on the field. There's effort, uh, there's intent, which is, and then it's followed by execution. That's when you tie it all together. I felt like, and you've heard me say this about defensively about you know missed tackle situations or mi- just situations where guys just don't finish the play. I say like the effort is there, but the intent was not really ideally there. Mm-hmm. But there were times where you watch Andre Carrick and Hayden Connor in this game, and the effort is there, and the intent is there. Like, they want to get their hands on somebody and run their feet. But you see, like, on a zone play where young cats just climb to the second level and looking around for somebody to block. So, like, the execution is lacking. And that's probably where Kyle Flood will sit him down to film session and say, son, just go block somebody. It doesn't matter. Go find, just, just go, go find, find an jersey. off-color jersey and put your, put your hat on the it. jersey. Just go hunt him down. Yeah. yeah so... Yeah. That's what I would say about those two guys. I thought the effort was definitely there. I thought the intent was there. I thought the execution at times it was lacking, but overall, I mean, it was just it was good to see those guys get on the field. Yeah, and because I mean, if Kyle Flip's going to make changes, Rob, that's the first step. You got to figure out what you got. I don't know if they make they're making changes though. I don't I mean, think they are at this. I point. I don't think they are. I mean, you guys in media have done a good job of asking them in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are Are you considering personnel changes on the O line and? I think almost every time he's either worked his way around it, avoided the question altogether, or said, no, nah, that's not his intention. They need to have more reps as a group to gain continuity. So I think that's, that's the group they're working with. Mm-hmm. And I, I Maybe later on in the season you see some of those guys, but I think all the way on to Oklahoma, this is your group. Where, where this offensive line is still going to struggle, like Matt just pointed out, you don't really have an inside run game. Like, yes – B. John Robinson did crease an inside zone. He can make zone, anything happen. But it, yeah. it was against Rice. Yeah. And here's the numbers yeah. exactly for Bijan. So off of right end and uh, right guard, you're going to end up having 15 for 142. The rest of his runs, 37 for 157. Wow. So that says a lot. Churning. <laughs> Churning to get whatever he that can. That says a lot. Um, he's either going to cut inside or he's going to cut outside. And once yeah. he gets by on the, over that tackle, he ain't running behind the tackle. He's going to go one way or the other. But where yeah. this offensive line is struggling, like Matt just pointed out again, they don't really have an inside inside run game, period. And it's funny, like, I, I did my grades on the site, and I, gra- I graded the offensive line a C-plus for this game. I gave him a C-plus because they damn near got Casey Thompson killed on the second drive of the game with a – a free rusher ended up getting right in his face oh, yeah. and popped him, and then the ball fluttered and it got picked off. And somebody was like, "Why don't they just keep a tight end or back into max protection?" I'm like, "They did. 
<laughs> that interception, they, Texas was in a seven-man protection. Ooh. And that's yeah. sometimes can be more problematic than you think exactly because you're like bringing I, more bodies in. Boy, and it can cause more confusion. It also can it only take one mistake. Well. So Rod, I know, I know you. Joe Brady philosophy. I know I've Tech's heard some of your smart. hot sports opinions mm-hmm. during games where things break down from a coverage standpoint because that's that's your background. Mm-hmm. And then, like I'll never forget like Carrington Bynum playing bell coverage on the goal line against West Virginia. Like just how livid you were for like a week about that. Yeah. My my pet peeve, I think, from now on is going to be anytime I see max protection because uh-huh. <laughs> this line can't hold up well enough for you to run anything that's slow developing or long developing. Number one and number okay. two, it it benefits you more to have a tight end in the back as a check down as a safety valve than it does trying to blo- trying to chip a defensive end. Totally agree. And yep, that more was receivers on routes actually works better for pass protection. Than less receivers and more more people in the block. Which yeah, is watch the NFL and see how many times they go motto. empty and goal line. Like watching yeah. Aaron Rodgers throw three TDs yesterday to his running backs, and yeah. you see Brady just freaking out in the middle of the Super Bowl, yelling at Arians to send those guys back because he doesn't want them on the field. Wants to keep the mismatch going. And when you looked, I remember in the offseason we talked about when Sark came over, and one thing that we sort of noticed that it was like, yeah, he's sort of just middling with uh, five man protection. Last year it was sixty three out of the 129 teams where he just went five-man protection. Mm-hmm. So he's middle-of-the-road tech. Tech ranks in the top 12, I believe. Yeah, Actually, no, number two in the nation last year. Five-man protection 86% of the time. Yeah. My new motto, Rod, is going to be max protect is the devil. Max protection <laughs> like is the it. devil. <laughs> I hate it. I don't like it. It doesn't benefit you. Max protection is the new prevent defense. Oh, prevent defense just prevents you from winning the game. Yeah, no, same thing. It, it's, it's your new center, uh, center, seven foot center in basketball. It's got a same place. Thing. It's got a place. It's just I agree with you. I mean, cause just like the center at, does in basketball. You got to look at Shannon's offense with the 49ers. They'll match protect for this you. team right now. They'll so match protect. They want to get those deep routes and down Kittle's to the deep the developing play action pass, the delayed football. releaser, that kind of thing. So they'll match protect on you too at times. I know it, it's got it's got its place. It depends for this team right now. It didn't have this much team, of a place. I totally agree. It's just like a center in modern day basketball. Yeah. Make, make, make me a spot. t-shirt that just says max protection is the devil. For this team, you damn right it is. Going <laughs> empty, hitting the three. <laughs> one thing real quick, Rod, you talk about delayed release. Uh, one of my favorite plays in this game was the touchdown to Jared Wiley. I love that. Oh, yeah. Uh, in a, the empty th- formation. Yeah, you're an empty. Yeah, you, uh, you got a bunch formation into the boundary. And it was a good call because Sark caught him in man coverage. The corner immediately takes Bijan on the screen action. Uh, Cade Brewer runs the seam. The safety goes with him. Casey Thompson gave the little shoulder shrug to sell the screen action. Jared Wiley sold a stop block. They didn't have to. Though, it. Didn't have to. It, was, yeah. it was wide open. That corner just – I mean, it, 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 it's, this is why Sark is a great play caller, right? Um, and, you know, obviously I wouldn't call him a genius or anything like that or elite, but he is a great play caller because that was a first and five, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And so the, you just got, got to put yourself in the shoes of the defensive coordinator. They're thinking, oh, first and five? They got Bijan Robinson. They're definitely going to run the ball. They got 12 personnel on the field because it was two tight ends. Oh, two tight ends? They're going to run the ball. So there are all these keys mm-hmm. that are signaling to the defense, oh, they're going to run the ball, they're going to run the ball. And then you come out in empty formation, you freak them out, you shock them, and then after you shock them, they initially notice Bijan Robinson down low, and I believe it's with the two Wiley tight ends. Brewer, yep. All right, so they're thinking screen, mm-hmm. screen to Bijan, extension tight. of the running game, two tight ends in there to block. So initially, they probably been watching the film. As a matter of fact, there is an empty formation in the Louisiana game, and I believe it's a very similar screen like that to Bijan. If I'm not mistaken, I got it here in my notes. So I think they probably watched film, saw it. Oh, it's going to be a screen to Bijan, corner bites. Easy peasy. That's exactly the type Touchdown. of chess game you want to set up. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's why we've been for Sark, he's a great play caller. Yeah. Uh, defensively, the one issue I had with the defense was the 31-yard run the, that Keelan Griffin popped that got Rice in the red zone because that encapsulated everything that was wrong with the defense in Fayetteville. Uh, bad, just bad technique on run defense. Pad level was way too high. Linebackers mm-hmm. got caught in the wash. And, and that's... Rod, that's going to kind of be the issue for this defense is as much as you want this defensive line to, you know, be penetrators and disruptors, you know, your linebackers are the kind of guys they're not – I say this more about DeMarvin Overshone because we've seen it with him uh, less than Luke Brockermeyer. We just don't have – still have a big enough sample of, of Luke Brockermeyer on the field. 
But with Overstone, he's not a guy that for 50, 60 snaps a game is just going to want to take pulling guards or guards mm-hmm. come to the second level head on. He, he needs to have the less time he has to spend working through the wash, the better off he's going to be where he can just go hunt the football. Um, and that wasn't the case on the 31 yard run. Again, yeah. that was just, it was just, it was by far the defense's worst play of the night because it just, it, everything we saw in Fayetteville was evident on that one play. My concern, I agree with you 100%. My concern with the defense, to piggyback on your point, we, the, the secondary has not been tested. No. In terms of their one pass, play. In terms one of their catch. Yeah, exactly. A couple of plays here yeah. and there. And, Traylon and, Traylon and by the way, good. didn't pass all those, no, 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 pass no. All those tests. Exactly. No, your head, your head coach said that's pretty much the moment when so, you lost the Arkansas yeah. game. So my concern is that the secondary hasn't been tested. Uh, we, our you know, projections for the defense, what, oh, defensive uh, interior D-line is going to be such a mm. huge strength that there will be this reverberating positive effect throughout the rest of the defense. It will improve the play of the overall group, right? Um, okay, they're not as dominant as we thought. Matter of fact, I don't know if they're dominant at all. Um, and they're not. They don't, they don't really penetrate. They, they, they are stand your ground D-line. Which is which is good for mm-hmm. run for for rush defense, and I think they're a good rush defense because they, they stand their ground. Now against Arkansas, that improved to be the case. They got pushed back, and when you get pushed back, to your point, Demarvion Overshone can't sift through the detritus, and a young Luke Brockemeyer can't really sift through that, and then you know they can't really run through all those big butts in their face to get to the football, right? So it just you know it really uh, impedes their ability to run to the football, and his biggest strength is his speed to the ball. Mm-hmm. So my concern is this, with that defensive front, which doesn't – and I guess Ovia Gofu is showing that he can be a pass rusher, but you don't really have a pass rusher. We, we were concerned about Joseph Osai's absence, right? He was your best pass rusher and your best run stuffer. So if the defensive line just say stand your ground D-line, they don't really penetrate and they don't really disrupt because I haven't seen that yet, then how are they going to get pressure on a passing game? And if you can't get pressure, then you got to go the Belichickian route and go, well, I'm just going to side with coverage. And maybe you're really good at coverage. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, but is last year they weren't. So we're just going off faith that this new coaching staff all of a sudden is going to sprinkle some fairy dust on this secondary, and all of a sudden they're Mm going to become really good in coverage. Now, maybe they are. This is why the Texas Tech game concerns me. Exactly, but we don't yeah. know. We don't know if the secondary is good. So you could have a liability in the run game because I think you attack the edges for Texas, and that's how Arkansas will look at a ton of their yardage. I mean, we can get into it. I got it uh, in my notes, but they attack the edges, and they just they just decimated Texas on the edges. Yeah. So you don't even really have to deal with that interior D-line a lot of times. You can yeah. put them on skates yeah. and then hit, and hit those edges on Texas, and Texas Tech is that kind of run game. Number Can one. I, yeah. And then I'm not sure about the coverage of the secondary. And if the coverage fails you, then the pass rush has to make up for that. And right now, we don't really have a pass rush here at Texas. All you have is a maybe a stout rush defense that is a stand-your-ground defensive front. But to me, that could be fool's goal. That could be mm-hmm. a Fugazi, a Fugazi, because that was against Rice. And the last team you had that you played with any physicality, Pushed you around in your rush defense. So what if your rush defense ain't good or your pass defense? The the one the one thing that I, <laughs> the one thing I think this defense does well. I think the de- this defense does one thing well. They're pretty good in the red zone. Okay, that's good. Even against Arkansas, no, it's good. They were good in the red. Which zone. makes sense about the D line, right? If it's a standard ground D line mm-hmm. in the red zone, you got less yeah less field to defend. You just yep. bow your back and you're good, right? Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, and I think they, you know, I think they need to make more splash plays I on agree. the defensive front. They need yeah. to make more disruptive plays. If you're not going to reset the line of scrimmage, you need to get maybe penetrate and get in the backfield. Maybe run blitzing. Arkansas did a ton of run blitzing against Texas. Hell, that's how you stop that outside zone. You need to run blitz from that side and just create chaos on that side. Slant, slant, yeah, yeah. and slant in there. I think that's how you do it, and somebody will, some good defensive coordinator will, and force Texas to adapt. So to me, that's my concern with the defense. Sorry, take up some time. No, that's great. That's great stuff, Rod. Um, You know, when I think about it's, it's interesting in terms of guys to interview and guys to talk to on this team. Jacoby Jones is becoming one of my favorite guys to okay. talk to, and I talked to him after the Rice game. He was available post game because I think who I mean, they just brought Casey Thompson in there. So oh yeah, know, all the media. I, I basically yeah. told him, I was like, yeah, Chip, you you deal with that. I'm gonna go <laughs> talk to these other guys. And 
it was me and just a couple of the reporters talking to Jacoby Jones, and I was asking him about you know their, their technique, their pad level was just horrible in the mm-hmm. Arkansas game. And I asked him, I said, did you, did you guys feel watching the tape with the coaches that it was a, a technique issue, not a physicality issue? And he told me, he said, the one thing that they told us was technique breeds physicality. Hmm. Like you can't be physical if you're playing okay. with bad technique. 100%. He said, if your pad level's low, he's like, if you're not winning the leverage battle, he said, if you're not striking with your hands, then you can't be physical. That was like a problem that. with Arkansas. Yeah, so Straight that's point. one thing this defensive line is trying to get right. And I think there is an adjustment. Look, we've, we've seen this with first-year Texas defensive coordinators, and I mentioned the stats, like every one of them. <laughs> Will Muschamp is the exception. But like Manny Diaz, Vance Bedford, Todd Orlando, even Chris Ash last year, they all end up fielding like by any metrics you want to look at, like top 30-ish defenses – but they have one game early in the year that's just horrible, and it's kind of hit or miss until you get to about the halfway point of the season. Yeah, all of them. Go look at the numbers, and I'm I'm writing an article, rewriting an article on the site this week that'll lay it all out. So I think there is an adjustment period right now, especially for those edge guys, because it's different roles for those guys and for the previous defense for this point. defense. So maybe that's just it with the defense, Rob. Maybe maybe just they're there needs to be just a little bit more of a grace period. But, as you said, the coverage issues issues with considering the opponent that you're getting ready to play, that's what gets the BGZs going for me thinking about Texas playing Texas Tech. They haven't been tested yet. Right. At all. At all. Levi, Levi. The one time time that secondary was tested, the corners specifically were tested – you gave up a completion that your head coach said basically lost you the Arkansas game. To a team that didn't want to throw the ball. No. To a team that beat you one-dimensionally, and you still gave up a couple of big passing plays to a quarterback that, I mean, let, let's be honest, we thought his arm was a liability for Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I so think that's that, my concern. Playing that Texas A&M team? defense this weekend, I think we're about to see how good K.J. Jefferson is or isn't. Uh, oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. That's, that's going to be fun with that Arkansas running game. That'll be fun. I'm starting to think Arkansas – actually threw out a decoy game against Rice against Texas, too. After watching it. No, yeah. serious, dude. I think they are that obsessed with beating Very Texas smart, yeah, that they yeah. were like, you know what? Let's keep it, let's keep it close to the fourth quarter, guys. Texas yeah. is going to watch this film. It's going to be hilarious. We're going to show anything. And then in the third quarter, they're like, oh, man, we really need oh, to turn it on. We got, we got, we got down by 10 right now. That's <laughs> why serious. you don't have vanilla games. I mean, that's what happens, I guess, when you don't game plan. Trans- Let's just say this. You start going wow. transitive property of football. Yeah, that's I know. A, that's a slippery slope. It's a dangerous still. place to go. That's but why we, we, we prefaced that game saying don't right. do that now. It Rice looked Rice look, Rice look competent. And against Houston Man. in the first half of that game, they looked competent. Wait, wait, and we said, hey, don't they, be surprised that this game is close. Yeah, you know, a two-score game going to halftime. Then when you have your third-string quarterback against Texas in the first yes, quarter, so. you're done. It was close you're until done, it was close until the ball got kicked off to start that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, was, that game was Jeez. yeah, it was out of control really fast. But no, let's go. <laughs> let's go to uh, the, the one the, another thing that I like what this defense does, Rod. And and again, we don't have a great sample of it. They do have a turnover forced in every game so far this year. That's true. They're which is good. Yeah. I and, that. you know, PK really values the ball. And I, I love that was one of my favorite plays in the game, in the Rice game, the way the fumble happened. If you look, Kalen Griffin busts a run up the gut, and it's going to be a first down for Rice. DeMarvin Overshone wraps him up, and as he's rolling him over to mm-hmm. take him down, Jaron Thompson puts a shoulder right on the football, pops Ooh. out, mm-hmm. and there yeah. are three white jerseys around Josh Thompson, and he pounces on it without nobody contesting him on the fumble. Yeah. So I, I like the fact that they're forcing fumbles like that. And PK said he's even told those guys he's trying to make them understand, look, most of the fumbles you force, it's the second guy getting there and getting a hand on the ball or a hat on the ball, stripping it, knocking it out, whatever. And I, th- I feel like guys are buying into that. So the fact that That's they important. they are an opportunistic defense, Matt, we were talking about Tyler Shuck mm-hmm. before we got started. I'm not saying he's a turnover machine, but he's he's got the potential to to give Texas some plays where they might be able to capitalize. Yeah, when you look at him, uh, turnover-worthy plays, we went through it uh, going back to his time at Oregon because he was a guy at Oregon that actually took over after Justin Herbert, and he played all the way through the conference championship game and in the bowl game against Iowa State. But he's a guy that basically really good with RPOs, but he was like a one-read guy. And if you look at a lot of his interceptions last year, is the underneath defender that he just could couldn't see and ended up having, I believe it was 14 turnover-worthy plays now for a career, 12 of which – 
came when he was at Oregon, and he had only 226 pass attempts at, with 12 bad ratio. Now, when once he came to Tech, and as Rod pointed out pre-show, he was like, yeah, Air Raid makes it a simplified process. Only two turnover-worthy plays so far on 83 attempts at Tech. Okay. So he definitely has improved, but the competition's been SFA, also been true. Houston, been Florida International. He struggled a bit uh, throwing the ball, not nearly as accurate early in the season. But if you look, I just broke it down because Ezekama's the guy that you he really want to focus on. Yeah, and he's been targeted 25 times, 350 yards. That's mm-hmm. 14 per attempt yeah, when targeting against Ezukama. And then I went and I went through the A dot numbers. I'll bring that up in a second. But the rest of the team, he's we're targeting them 39 of 58 for 442 yards, just 7.6 per attempt. So when you look at his 9.5 per attempt, it's really middling. It's like when he goes to Ezekama, 14 per attempt. Like it's that. all their production. 350 of his 70, 792 yards has went through Ezekama. The whole passing wow. game just totally stifles when you shut him down. There's How often is he in the slot? Cause they're all their. Um, I haven't watched all their games this year, but this year twenty percent. Okay, that's why they move them around a little bit. But he's on the outside a lot. That's why they I move him around that. a lot more this year than before. Did, did, than before, he, okay. Yeah, it was one less than one percent in twenty nineteen. He okay. was five percent in twenty eighteen. Twenty twenty, he was eleven percent. Okay. So he they've drastically because uh, people are starting to double triple that. Yeah. People are starting to double and rotate coverage toward him, and I imagine Texas should do the same. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Double and rotate covers to him. Yeah. And then his average A dot for Shuck for the season, his depth of target is at ten. Whenever he's targeting against Ezekama, it's up over for at fourteen. So once you subtract the math, I hadn't done that yet, but wow. it's a lot of numbers that you so can his, see. His comfort zone of going downfield, big plays, all volatility, Ezekama. all explosives, everything they're going to have is probably going to go through him. All right, that's the easy game plan right there. We're doubling that guy, especially. <laughs> On passing, on, on passing downs, right? Or, we yep, on passing or downs. he goes for 225 and you lose. You know, like it's yeah, one of those things that just, they're going to just yeah. target their guy or not. Yeah, nah, we're going to double him and rotate coverage on passing downs. And yeah. that means second down and beyond. Okay. You, the, like that. Furthermore, with this game, you've got a right, a, a price, a Texas Tech passing offense, especially with the skill guys, guys that were there last year, you know, as a comma chief among them. They're not scared of this Texas defense because they shredded. Oof. This Texas defense last year Man. in Lubbock, and they got a new. Yeah, they don't have Sir Roderick there anymore, right? He's no, gone. Sir Roger Thompson's still there. He's still there. He's still there. Damn, there. We're Sir talking about Roger? this Texas Tech roster, there man. Forever. Like same with Ezekuma. Like, like, like only a junior. Man. Like Demarcus Fields, I'm pretty sure you played against Demarcus Fields. Rod. <laughs> like, so you got some guys that have been there a long time. Like Rico Jefferson, Ron McKelvey going back. Like yeah. Ke- like Kevin Wadler and Justin Mclemore think Rico Jefferson has been in college. Rico Jefferson has been there forever. Yeah, he has got that Jordan Shipley, Bo Scave playing going on. And then he has the name that reminds me of Rico Gathers, who is at, like tech, pretty- at Baylor, and that's why it's like he's been there for 20 I'm years. I'm pretty sure Rico <laughs> Jeffers played high school ball with Devin Duvernay, who's now two years into the league that's after awesome. a four year career. Career at Texas, like I, I, don't, I don't know how that math works out, but uh, it is what it is. But you've got all that, and then think about who your offensive coordinator, your play caller is at Texas Tech now. Sonny Cummings had a lot of success against Texas, yeah, a lot. Yep, you're right. It's a good point. So he knows the personnel really well because yeah. he stayed in this, you know, in this in this, this ecosystem, if you will. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. I would say that doesn't Pete Kwiatkowski have a background in nose shuck? Didn't he, was he Shuffle from Washington days? Yeah. He was at Oregon. Okay. And then Matt Wells was Utah State guy. So, they, right. you know, being up in that same region there's, and area. There's some cross. There's a little bit there's of There's a little crossover, crossover there. there. Yeah. I mean, no, I, crossover in I will say that Texas Tech, the, the, the formula they have, because like I said, they're going to run to the edges too. And I went and found that number that against Arkansas, the 333 rush yards, Texas allowed 178 of them on the edges, attacking the edges. And. I you know, I think Texas Tech's run game they can they can do that too. Um, so Todd, that, Tosh Brooks, the young man from Maynard. Yeah, you know, so that would that would be a little concern. And of course, the secondary is not be tested. This is the first big test for the secondary. That's what that that's just yeah because you don't you don't know. Right? We don't you just know. don't know. I'll give you the numbers from last year though. There oh you go. Of uh, uh, any Texas corner, this is the only numbers we have, guys. Mm-hmm. This is the only numbers I know, we have. I know. But the last time they were tested, but, 
Uh, last time the Texas cornerbacks, last year when targeting Texas cornerbacks, they allowed an explosive pass play or committed a defensive holding or pass interference call every 4.6 targets, and they only made a play on the ball every 13.3 targets. 13.3? That's I've for been, the cornerbacks, I've been yeah. giving them more credit. I've been saying 11.8. If you include the safeties, it's every 8.23 targets. Because sometimes they were targeting the corners, but then the safeties would make a play on it because they would bring the safeties down to get help them out. Caden Stearns or B.J. Foster. Yeah, so that – yeah, they help them out. But last year, it wasn't good. You should just be coming after the Texas corners. So we'll see. If they improved. I mean, they're old. They're seniors now. Mm-hmm. I can imagine being a terrible corner when I was a senior. So I'm saying they're going to they're gonna show up. Now, you were not a terrible corner, right? No, but I'm just saying as a senior, you're supposed to be playing your best ball. You're an old man out there. Yeah. Come on now. Come on, Deshaun. Jay Thompson. Let's go. So, I mean, I'm kind of with Matt. I, I think either you – you know, you try to double team Eric as a common, see if he'll you know, Loic Fungi or Miles Price or any of these other guys can beat you. Damn right. Don't let thirteen be the reason you lose this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he's gonna go for like two twenty five and you're gonna lose. No. Yep. No, that quit Peter Kwiatkowski's way smarter than that. So he's yeah. gonna he's gonna double them in road coverage on passing downs. When they move him around, it might probably make him easier actually to double team if he's in the slot sometimes, but sometimes it'll be a star on him and I'm sure they'll have us Maybe their inside help. Maybe it'll be an inside player, a whole player. If they're on the outside, they'll just rotate a safety over the top. If they don't, I am going to break something. <laughs> you know this, Jeff. If, I, if, we're on this, if we're on this podcast talking about this mm-hmm. and he ends up going for 225 and, and Texas lose, I'm going to break something. Yeah, I'm going to break, probably break my phone. I need to get new phones. I'm going to break something. And when you look at last year, what they did just when could get a bigger sample size for Tech overall, they ran play action 33% of the time, so that's 45th in the nation. Their screen rate was 19% of the time, which was 19th most in the nation. Then we already talked about the five-man protection, the second most, so they're going to be just having five. If you can get pressure with your front four, it's going to be real big. You're going to basically have to not be able to send as many. And their deep play rate last year was 123rd out of the 129 teams at just 10%, which sort of shows you that's With that only when deep they play. Pass, deep pass play, right? Exactly. Yeah. And deep that's play. only because were, those are the, the common ones because nobody else can really do those. What was the five-man <laughs> protection? Uh, 86.1% of the time, wow. number two in the nation. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's going to be a game where, you know, gosh, I hate to say it, but, man, it's, it's cliche, but to get these guys in third and long because that's the only time you're going to have to rush the passer. Agreed. Yeah, I yeah, wonder. It's gonna be, first, second down is going to be coming out quick. That's a great point. I wonder if Texas Tech, because it's Texas Tech and it's you know it's Sunny Cumbie, I wonder if they'll decide to pass to open up the run. Possibly. And throw it early. It, it, it was. It's funny, Matt. You read those numbers yeah. about Tech last year. Mm-hmm. It's like Matt Wells decided. Look, we're already drifting more air raid anyway. Bring, it was, a, bring a guy that knows it. And I'm saying instead of running it, if you think Texas is Texas defensive strength is their rush defense, right? Um, the one the one thing we don't really know if Texas can do is cover. Yep. Correct? Yeah. And last year they weren't great at it. Well, and then that deep play come rate. out and test them. <laughs> you talk about all those stats. I come out and test them <laughs> You just brought up, you know, all the stats with the Texas DBs last year. Well, last year, Ezukama, he had 12 targets on go routes, 8 for 275 and 4 touchdowns. Last year? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, like, if you're talking about that and then we add in that small – even if people say you can't look at the first three games this year because it isn't like mine, no Big 12. Last year is a really tough schedule because you had almost all Big 12. It was 90 or 10 games. So, when you see that he had that much success against top-tier competition, that's scary. Yeah. All right. Also top 15 in broken tackles. Is it comma? Yep. He broke 14 last year in explosive plays. He was a top 25 player. Like, he's an NFL guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know where 13 is at all times. Pretty much. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. He's that guy. He's that guy. But yeah. you need to know where he's at. You can't lose, you, you can't lose track of him. I don't want to see him wide open <laughs> yeah. when they run a double reverse pass. And then he's running free throwing the secondary like Lincoln Riley got C.D. Lamb wide open. They were like, well, how do you, hey, he's the best player on the five. How do you get wide open? Yeah, he schemed him open. Scheme him open, Mox. I don't care no. about scheming open. Watch where the best player is. Don't no get your is. eyes caught in the backfield. <laughs> he schemed him open. What the hell are you talking about? Schemed him open. Well, we'll see if uh, Texas can scheme him not. Open, yeah, yeah exactly. That's an awkward <laughs> transition to end this podcast, but nah, whatever. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. Texas and Texas Tech, 11 o'clock, little kegs and eggs action at DKR. Boy, the league's television partners are 
If you're if you're if you hate 11 a.m. games, you hate the league's television partners. Oh yeah, because right now you're going on a streak. Tech now. is an 11 a.m. TCU is 11 a.m. We know the OU game is always an 11 a.m. There's an outside shot; it would be a two. Some people say it was the Oklahoma State after and that. The Oklahoma State game. Joel Klatt's already said he and Gus Johnson are doing the Oklahoma State game. So guess what? Probably gonna be an 11 a.m. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Four in a row. Has that ever happened? We get four in a row. Uh, We've been I, bad. For I remember a while. 26. So probably so. 2016, <laughs> yeah. 2016. It felt like there were a yeah. lot of 11 a.m. Yeah, we've been bad for so a while. Charlie so. Strong's last year it felt like there were a lot of 11 a.m. So. And we deserved every last one of them. And then you're this year. I don't know about that. Be. 2016, we deserved it. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge, sir. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. each and every weekday on RBKD from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig White each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click the follow button to get every episode of Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.